Hello, lovely moms and daughters of the world. It's Dr. Nikki here. And Angie and I are talking about Never Have I Ever, episodes seven and eight. We are having so much fun and so many meaningful conversations. So pull up a piece of couch, cover yourself with a blankie, make a nice mocktail and a snack, and enjoy Never Have I Ever. And then this podcast, so you guys could have more communication, more joy, more fun than you ever thought possible and stop whatever prior generational trauma that would continue into the future. Put a halt in it. And this is the way to do it. All right. I love you guys and enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today, we're talking about Never Have I Ever, episodes seven and eight. We're here with Angie and Dr. Nikki, and we have been having a great time watching Never Have I Ever. So now we're seeing Davy. We we know the characters. We we kind of know and adore everyone. We've seen different layers of Davy having her huge crush, and then sort of developing this connection with her frenemy. We've seen her friends evolve. We've seen Eleanor and Fabiola. Um, so lots to talk about today. And and then that that kind of big explosion when you feel threatened and isolated and unsure of all the friendships that you have sometimes in high school that happens. So let's talk about it. Nikki, what did you think? Oh, I, first of all, I love this show. And I was just telling you that it is so fun and it touches on all the subjects, but it touches on it in such a relaxed, fun, quirky kind of way. Just when you think something's getting really intense, John McEnroe comes back back in and gives you a little comic relief in there, or just about every character has the ability to relieve some tension. So they're creating and relieving and creating and relieving. But, you know, it started out on episode seven. And so you're watching episode seven and eight, everybody, you know, where basically Davey kind of admitted to not having sex with Paxton and she had lied about it and he called her out on it. And she thought that he would have shared that with the whole school, which later on we find out he didn't, but she decided that she needed to be small. She needed to stay in hiding. She needed to basically, you know, completely cloister herself and go into a little cave and, and not talk to anybody. And she would probably have to do it to the end of high school. And what grade is Davy in? I mean, that's a long way away. I don't, yeah, I don't know if she's a, it's sophomore year, right? Because freshman year, she had her wheelchair, maybe. Right, um, right. Yeah, it's that feeling of embarrassment and being mortified. And I think you just want to be invisible. You're kind of in this situation where you interact with the same people every day at school, you're in the same classes, everyone knows you. And then something has happened in your social life and she just feels like she wants, she's wearing sunglasses. She's got the hoodie. She's just trying to cover up and become invisible because now everyone, she's assuming everyone knows this terrible lie that she's told. 
Yeah, well, not only does everyone know the terrible lie, but that they all have the time, interest, and attention to focus on her and her lie, which is really interesting for us because we think when we do something that everybody is focused on us and will stay focused on us forever. But really, people are worrying about their own stuff and doing their own thing and having their own crap and dealing with their own troubles. And so they don't have that much time to focus on whatever the moment gossip is. So I think for us to actually believe that we're going to have to stay small and underground and not talk to anybody for long periods of time probably isn't true, nor was ever true. It's something that we've created in our own mind but really everybody else has a lot of other things that they're that they have to take care of you know not related to us like it's not all about us and our struggle and whatever's going on you know really there's and actually the way to get it off of you would be to think about other people as well so if you're struggling you'll assume that other people are struggling but the quickest way to kind of get out of a struggle is to try to help somebody else or to like make some connection someplace else. At least that's what I find. I don't know. What do you think, Angie? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, we always go back to that discomfort and you want to avoid the feeling of discomfort. So you're in the place where you're feeling embarrassed and mortified and you're trying to not think about it but it's like consuming your your thoughts and consuming your energy so it's hard to remember everyone else is doing different things so Fabiola is really struggling with with accepting this new identity for herself and realizing that she's gay and maybe she wants a relationship with this this other is it Eve that she has a crush on Mm -hmm. and identifying that to her parents and and Davy's just not thinking about what's happening with Fabiola and Eleanor at the same time is in a is in a huge struggle with her mom and her understanding and she's feeling really hurt and upset and Davy is focused on herself and and her friends kind of say that to her like you are not you're so consumed with what's happening to you and that overwhelming sense of your your upsets and your struggles being more important than everyone else's that you're forgetting to care about the people around you. So both layers of it, I think you're right in thinking about other people because they are not living as much in your head. They're not focusing every day. They don't wake up and think, hmm, what's that, what's that girl from third period doing? And they're not trying, they're not spending their life focused on you the way that you are. And also it's helpful to remember what's going on in the world around you because that takes you out of your own head. So I love that point. They're not waking up like thinking about you. That is so true. (laughs) It's almost kind of narcissistic to believe that other people are like, you might as well assume they're not thinking about you so that you can go on and live your life and do what it is that is true to you. And if you need to make it up to somebody, then you can do that, but you can do it from a place of not embarrassment or not shame. You could do it from like true friendship and understanding and, you know, trying to be cooperative and helping them and, you know, all kinds of wonderful different 
ways and emotions you can think about that rather than from a place of shame and humiliation and embarrassment and all of that. Like nothing good can come out of those emotions. That's for right. Sure. So and I just like the I the way you pointed out in the beginning of our talk that the the way this show presents real real issues but in a funny light way <clears throat> so we have the competitive moms and the PTA bake sale and that's another stereotype of the the competitive moms but I think I have seen that stereotype play out uh kind of at times and at different schools and then Fabiola and Eleanor replace Davy with Jonah, who is the the archetypal quote unquote gay friend, and he seems to check every box of a stereotypical gay friend. Uh, so that they're doing it in a light way, but also that's so hurtful to think that you've been replaced in your core friend group. Um, by someone else but then the discussions that they have are kind of real and raw and truthful and honest I like that Fabiola and Eleanor don't pretend everything's okay they say it's not fair of you to to ignore our issues and ignore us when we need you because you're so consumed with your crush yeah and I think that their emotional maturity pretty high from the way it looks from the show. The other yeah. thing is that you talked about Jonah coming in and that idea that Jonah took somebody's place and that it wasn't that he took anybody's place. He is a new friend that could be thoughtful and they can have more than one friend. And I definitely know what it feels like when I was younger thinking that my friends had taken on another friend. Like I felt like I could be replaced easily just given my own stuff. And it was never true. They were never replacing me. They were just adding more. So that idea that there isn't enough around and only enough for a certain amount. And anytime anyone else comes, you're going to lose out. I think that's a really interesting idea that there's only a certain amount of pieces to the pie and if you lose any of those pieces then you lose but right. my thought is that everybody could be your warm and trusted possibility maybe not your warm and trusted friend and ally but the possibilities are endless and you don't really know anybody until you know them so I thought it was really interesting because it, it feels like Davy's emotional maturity level is low but the friends around her actually are pretty good mm-hmm yeah, I think you're right. And then I like that even when she's talking to her therapist, her we see that her emotional level, her emotional maturity level, like you're saying, is she's so insistent on staying on the surface level of well, let's talk about my crush, let's talk about me, what can I do? I'm interested in these surface level things and she doesn't want to look at the pain and the hurt of losing her dad she doesn't want to talk about the sadness and the the therapist says to her maybe you could get over your sadness by being really sad and Davy says being really sad you know she, she bulks at that whole idea because 
you hear the truth and you want to run away. And she says, I don't even, I don't like coming here. And she comes back really strongly with this idea of hearing that I should be really sad makes her so resistant. She wants to end her therapy sessions that she's clearly developed this relationship with the therapist. And then she just says something mean to get out of it and run away. I think she was hoping that the therapist would beg her to stay, but instead the therapist said, maybe you should find somebody that could be more helpful to you, which I thought was a really interesting way for it to go. But that idea that why would I want to be sadder when something sad happens is something that is so pervasive in our society in general, that we are not supposed to be sad at all, that you shouldn't be sad at any cost. And me as a physician and, you know, and a life coach and you as well. And as a mom, the idea that somehow being sad is actually okay. And probably the ticket to a, a bigger ability to handle hard situations that will inevitably come up no matter what, and actually get to the other side and trust yourself to get to the other side to not necessarily joy. I mean, we weren't promised joy and working on your stuff doesn't mean you're going to be happy or it's going to be easy, but it does mean that you'll be able to handle whatever life puts in your direction. And so being flexible and resilient is really the way to go. I think to live the best possible life you can live. So we're always doing that, right? I mean, everybody is trying to not be sad in any way and it never works out well in the long run. You know, think about people drinking and eating and having sex and whatever else. It never goes well. It doesn't go well, but it, and it's, it's a lifelong concern, right? I'm always trying to pay attention to Am I feeling my feelings? And I always catch myself still running away from the uncomfortable feelings. Yeah, always. And and people thinking we're crazy to actually want to go towards them. Like, Mm -hmm. as if like, why would you? Why would you feel sad? Why would you even want to? Yeah, Yeah, it makes so much sense. If your father passed away and he felt like the closest parent relationship you had, we see in the the backstory of Davy that her and her mom had a tumultuous relationship before her father died. It's very clear that he was the peacemaker and her and her mom are just not seeing eye to eye. They're not in agreement. And we see her mom being frustrated with her. And if your dad passed away and he was that person in your life, it makes perfect sense that you would be so sad, so hurt, so miserable that you would not be in joy. You would not be living a life where you ran around happy every day and enjoying time with your friends. But that idea, like you said, Nikki, that society has taught us that we don't need to feel sad, that we should be happy. And it, you know, we, we just decide like, well, maybe I'll just have fun and live my life. I don't want to be the kid who's sad about my dad dying. And you try to do that. We, we really can't completely run away from 
the no, sadness. it always seeps into your daily living, like the way you talk to people or how you react or what triggers you. Like it, it always comes back to be worked on. And that's mm-hmm. what you'll find is that you could put it off as long as you want to, but in some ways it'll come back to be worked on. And then if you're doing all of whatever you need to do to not feel it at all, eventually that will be something you'll have to come back and work on too. So you not only have to continue to work on the hurt, but you have to continue to work on whatever it is you did to not feel feel the hurt that has somehow hurt your body or hurt your mind or hurt your relationships or whatever it is. So it's going to come back at some point. So you might as well work on it directly as opposed to waiting all that time to try to feel better and not feel better. Right. Because we see that Davy has latched onto the idea that Paxton as her boyfriend will be the healing, like most perfect, happy life situation and here she is when Eleanor needs her and she chooses Paxton Davy is still seeking that perfect band-aid then my life will be perfect once I'm with Paxton every time that opportunity comes up I'll just keep chasing that and she's ignoring those strong connections and that moment of growth and being there for her true friend and recognizing that these are important things in life. I also thought it was important when she said to, we see the, um, Kamala, the perfect cousin, the, the beautiful, uh, you know, standard, I don't know what, what we would call her. And we hear Davy say, you're not perfect. You're bad like me. It's a shock to Davy that Kamala is breaking some rules. She's not doing everything exactly right that the parents want her to do that the older generation. I mean it just it takes away some of the loneliness the one that makes you feel like you're so different than everybody else you know clearly Davy is living a fairly lonely existence feeling like she just does not belong and like you said lost her one parent that she felt was you know pretty unconditionally supportive of her you know so so it, it it is interesting how her and Kamala could become allies in this rebellion blackmailing thing that's going on with them but I just want to one other thing that I think is interesting that you know we kind of are talking about related to Davy and stuff but you know Eleanor's mother who comes back and doesn't tell Eleanor that she's back at all because of her embarrassment and shame ignoring her daughter and then eventually left again And that just felt really, really hurtful, like that she couldn't handle that her daughter actually had achieved something and she hadn't, like she almost wouldn't be able to parent. And it's been interesting because I have a daughter. Now I'm a singer and an actor and a songwriter. And I have a daughter who just like, you know, landed a nationally touring show and she might end up on Broadway. And she just had a gig in her college town that I watched on Facebook. And it's like, she's making it and I'm not, (laughs) and I'm not going to leave, but uh, there is a, there is a a longing or something where I feel like, like I don't have many more chances or that I've missed my opportunity or that I'm too embarrassed to show my face or whatever it is. It's not really quite like that, but, but I, I definitely see that there's a longing there. Oh, that's so good. Okay. I don't want to get off topic but I love what your daughter is doing and I love that you are the 
the parent who has supported that and said, go for it. Like, let's do this. You don't have to follow this path that a lot of parents have set up that if you, if you take a year off of college, then there's no way you will ever go back. And that will, and you've um, created a space where your daughter's allowed to follow her dreams and, and, and the opportunity to be on Broadway is pretty incredible. Right. So um, I just listened to the audio book. I'm glad my mom died by Jeanette McCurdy, which is a story of the Jeanette McCurdy growing up on a Nickelodeon TV show Mm. where her mom has really um, wanted that dream and goal. And she is not as interested in following that as a very young child. Her mom is pushing her into auditions and getting an agent. And we get the whole backstory of how enmeshed their relationship becomes in what her mom wants so that Jeanette kind of can hardly tell what she wants herself because she wants to make her mom happy as a Mm. young kid. She doesn't want to discipline her mom. So a very interesting book and another look at the way the mother and daughter dynamics can unfold if we do not look at our emotions if we do not have these discussions so another reason to talk with your kids absolutely well I was thinking about that like I have to do everything I can to not want to ride on her coattails and maybe I'll ride a little bit on her coattails but I definitely have this this image of her like calling me up on stage and saying mom will you sing back up on this song with me or something like that I have to keep myself in check constantly, but it's not that hard to keep myself in check. I've, I've obviously lived a really great life and I've done so many things that, that, you know, that I am so pleased with. And that makes sense for my life. But anyway, back. I love it. And keep the dream alive. Yeah, totally. Well, that's the other part that we as parents get to have our dreams. And so that is, that that's part of, of us really showing our children how to live their dreams, or at least how to continue to keep going for it. Even when you become a parent or an adult of a certain age and feel like you don't have those opportunities anymore, or you're looking behind you as opposed to in front of you more often. So I I think that's probably pretty important too. Oh, good points. Okay. So back to Davy. Um, yes. Um, oh my God. In, sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry, everyone. But sorry, everybody. Also, yeah. Interesting. After, after the podcast, if you want to look into some of this stuff, it's all out there. Um, I like that they brought, when we see Davy's backstory and her parents, uh, that they show that real and raw fight of saying, I hate you. And the, the mom has now decided that they should move to India. And we, we see the, like, she's no daughter of mine, I think is what the mom says and how Davy feels not connected to her mom or like her mom doesn't love her, accept her for who she is. It, um, and did Davy say, I wish you were the one who died that night? Yes. Okay, I wrote that down, but I didn't know his 
Yeah, no, she said that. Mm -hmm. So we think of like the most hurtful thing we could hear from our kid. And maybe some of us have heard some hurtful things from our kids because that is how they feel in that moment when they are saying that it is true. And they don't live their life feeling that. I don't think Davy goes to school every day and thinks, I wish my mom was dead, but she felt that at that moment and she just misses her dad and she's hurt and she's upset. And when your kid says something painful to you, we don't want to take that on as like, this is absolute truth. My kid believes this and they're saying mean and terrible things about me. I see this a lot on Facebook groups too. And parents I talk to who really catch on to one phrase that they're child has said to them as Mm. really hurtful and painful and they kind of replay it and focus on it. Um, I I love what you just said about hooking on to one phrase. I mean, the, the truth is, is that most kids want their parents and definitely want their moms and they're always looking to get back there. And you just have to kind of assume that almost as like a practice, like assume that they always want you and that you're the one safe space where they can show their ugliest emotions to, because it's pretty oppressive out there. Like they don't get to show that in school. And if they did, I would be freaking out if my kids started being disrespectful to other people at school or other kids or other adults. So, you know, this idea of respect becomes so interesting because we have this idea idea about what it should be based on our childhood and what we think kids should be saying and and what the kind of respect we should finally be getting as adults or not but but it is the one safe space where they might be able to show how upsetting life is how frustrated they are but you have to completely go in with the assumption that they want you they always will and they will always continue to try to figure it out mm-hmm. but they don't have the emotional expression nor the language to do it yeah yeah and those things are okay to say we don't Mm. say that in society enough like it's okay to say a terrible mean hurtful thing in a moment of heated conflict and then to come back later and say I'm really sorry I said that 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 is not how I feel about you every day in general And I just, you know, said that because I wanted to lash out and say something hurtful and parents do it too. We say a mean, hurtful thing in response. Um, I think we say mean, hurtful things all the time, but somehow we, we expect ourselves to like the mom was saying mean, hurtful things about Mm -hmm. Davy and she's like, she's she's not a daughter of mine. Like, so, so part of it is that we don't expect that our young people are going to hear it. And the other thing is that they're, we, we assume they're not going to internalize it the way we think they will, but it does get internalized. So, and I often find that, that I, as a parent used to, and I don't do this anymore, say things about my kids in front of my kids, which I find really interesting to see a lot of people do that because we're so frustrated and life does get so hard and so tricky that we're looking for some kind of hearing by other parents or people that can understand what we're going through. And so we'll say things that can be 
somewhat mean about our children, about where their shortcomings are or what they did to us or, and not really think twice about it. But I do think that all those things get internalized and then they're, it's like a loop of a recording deciding what they make it mean. And you don't know what they make it mean until it comes out at you as like, you never loved me. You can't stand me. And that's just not true about Davy's mom. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's such a good point, Nikki. Um, yeah. So I appreciate this show that the, that the love is there, that Davy's mom obviously loves and cares about her and wants the best for her and for, for Kamala as well. Like they're trying to create a beautiful life for their kids and they're making mistakes and they're imperfect and they're competitive at the bake sale. Her mom said, uh, what did she say? No touching boys or no sex with boys, even in your lies. She said, <laughs> we yeah, I love up. that. Even in your lies, like don't yes, even allude right. to that. Cause I can't handle it. I can't handle that um, at all. <laughs> right. It's just so funny and over the top and, and, and also, also real and raw and honest. Mm. And there's no, there's no ideal situation here. It's a hard situation. Davy's struggling. Her mom is struggling. And I think they're just putting it all out there. This, this isn't easy. Oh, and that's the sense I get when, when I watch this show. And, but also that kiss with Paxton was so weird. What is happening? I didn't expect that. So I'm interested to see what is happening next. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. I was, I wrote that down. Like, why do you think he kissed her? Was she just very vulnerable at the moment and allowing him to help her in some way? Did he feel like she was real? Was he trying something out? Like, why did, why did he kiss her at that moment? Yeah. I mean, have they spent enough time together that he is like, Davy is she's really funny cool beautiful like silly like I like her as a person and now maybe I really like her maybe this is more because he has a girlfriend right or no maybe I that... think he's got a, a he's got a, a flirtation going or lots okay. of them but I think there's something about Paxton's sister who is probably the realest person in his life actually liking Davy and mm-hmm. thinking that Davy is a, a good person and finally he brought somebody home that's worthwhile so I think that Paxton is probably doing a bunch of reevaluating too mm-hmm yeah. Yeah. So that will be interesting to see too, because we've also seen Ben, Ben and Davy's relationship grow and how similar they are and how really well suited they could be mm. for each other and supporting each other and having like a really fun connection. And will Davy be able to see that if, if Paxton is an option there? <laughs> Yeah, no, I totally agree. I just, I want to come back to Eleanor after Eleanor's mom left that Eleanor oh, yeah. quit the play and now is wearing beige. What is that? It's <laughs> like, oh my God. So like, do you let go of your dream just because you're disappointed and discouraged by the people around you? She clearly oh. was good at it and she loved it. it this, was she trying to be something so different than what her mother was? Or was she trying to be her mother? And that's why she was like that. Now I can't tell. Or maybe it's like, Davy, you're so hurt that mm. you just want to erase yourself 
erase who you are and go back mm. and go to being invisible. Maybe, maybe Eleanor is feeling the hurt instead of ignoring it. And she's mm. so sad that her mom left and hurt and especially after the the lead in to that of discovering that her mom was working at the restaurant and then it felt like they had a connection for the first time her mom was being honest with her and then her mom left without saying anything and left a note it was all pretty awful yeah no that definitely sounds horrible yeah so, um, so I, I think that's just a good, a good thing about when we are hurt and upset, where we give up the things we love, mm-hmm. almost like we feel like we don't deserve them. But I like what I you was said. thinking that too. Yeah. But what you said about being invisible, like that's probably as invisible as Eleanor will get by wearing beige and not acting or not being dramatic in any way. Right. Is the, is the least Eleanor thing we've ever seen. Yeah. So true. um, Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Or it is maybe it's like that idea of we don't deserve it. I don't deserve fun in my life or the things that I love. I'll just remove all, all the things that I care about and love in my life. Mm, Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. And Fabiola's mother really handled it well. I was very impressed with her. Right. That conversation that Fabiola was so worried about and nervous about turned out to be such a beautiful healing conversation. Right. That that the mom was still more upset about giving up AP French so that they would cancel their trip to Marseille than her being gay. And I was really pleased with her mom for that because you could see how connected her mom is or how invested her mom is in trying to be a normal family where Mm -hmm. Eleanor's mom's not normal and you know baby lost her dad and whatever else is going on with that but but her mom is Fabiola's mom is definitely invested in them looking like the perfect family that's for sure yeah and still came out with the like I love you unconditionally was the message at yeah. that conversation mm-hmm. that Fabiola was so worried about and turned out to be not so bad. Yeah, no, that was really good. Yeah. So Eleanor's mom who comes and obviously tosses things up quite a bit and is pretty unreliable, even though she gave up a lot of information that she shouldn't have given up, it was probably all for the best. And you and I always talk about that. If you get it out there and you tell the truth, the likelihood is that things will actually be easier and better than if you're nursing a lie and all the feelings related to it and then and then not telling people what you want to tell them and having them find out in weird ways. Right. Yeah, you're right. That is kind of a theme in Never Have I Ever. Once the truth comes out, that then the healing happens. Mm-hmm. Yet Davy just continues to try to hide try everything and not really explain that she went to see Paxton I mean we see it must be like five times an episode that she tries to cover up something that she did some kind of lie (laughs) absolutely and you know just to get to a little bit you know with Ben who is a character that I'm really kind of loving lately especially given the backstory of Ben when we saw that episode But, you know, again, his parents leaving and kind of making him feel like, 
they shouldn't, or he shouldn't ask them to stay, giving him the option, but not a sincere option to ask them or really mm-hmm. tell him what he feels. And again, he's alone for his birthday, his 16th birthday. And yeah. oh my God, I feel a little bit of this and I'm going to bring it to me, but my daughter is turning 21 tomorrow and I can't be there. And I'm feeling like, and, and I can't be there for really, really good reasons. I'm not like off to the Caribbean or anything like that. I'm actually working and I work in a place that I can't really switch the time because I do four weeks on and four weeks off, but I am missing my daughter's 21st birthday. And how do you deal with guilt like that? And what do you do if your parents that don't feel guilty at all? Like that is just over the top. My daughter turned 21 and we had a whole conversation all week. I was like, great. What time does the party start? I'll be there. What should I wear? You know? And she kept being like, mom, you're not coming. (laughs) I do not want you there. And we just the whole time I thought like, okay, what should I do? What should I bring? Do you want me to make anything? So of course I didn't, I didn't go. I know, but you had a little fun with it and you kept reminding (laughs) her that you wanted to be there. And I think there's something about there. There's something about staying light about stuff like that, about Mm -hmm. not taking it personally, having a little bit of fun and then letting her know that you totally would want to be there no matter what. So, and I'm always offering my daughter, like, I'll just come up and I'll I'll just wait for you to finish your party. Like I'll sit outside a party and just wait so that she doesn't have to be alone or whatever it is. I don't know what she's going to do, but you know, I could just get stupid, still stupid, silly. I was like stupid, silly with her, but yeah, no, it's totally fun. You know? Yes. All right. Well, great, great talk. Looking forward. Let's see what happens in episode nine and 10 next week. Okay. And we're done with Ben's party and that fight or we could. Oh, right. There was all of that. (laughs) Oh, you know what? You're right, Angie. Let's just end it now because you guys know what to do. You're getting the hang of it. We've gone through now eight episodes. And so you're, you're getting the hang on how to talk to each other and, and what's going on. And, and, um, and we'll see you next week for episode nine and 10. Listen, if you want to just go a little bit deeper, you'll see in the show notes how to get in touch with me and with Angie. We really like, we want your relationships to go well. We want you to have a joyous, fantastic, wonderful life and be able to deal with whatever struggles life will bring you. So there you go. Bye, Thanks, everyone. Bye everybody. Swinging on a swing I just turned five And I can do anything You're just my size And I like your smile Could you be my friend? Let's swing for a while Come swing with me Me. Mm-hmm.
gone by Sun sinking low 